before we, everybody just close your eyes real quick before we actually start taking the offering. Everybody just close your eyes for me, just real quick. And I want you to image, just get the first image that pops into your mind when I say this phrase, okay? What's the first image that pops into your mind? A state of peaceful happiness. A state of peaceful happiness. All right, go ahead and open your eyes. You guys can now, you can go ahead and pass those bags. I just didn't want to pass, I love first service, I, I, they started passing the bags and I said, everybody close their eyes. And that didn't work very well, so. <clears throat> All right, so now let me just ask you a, a, a couple answers. What did you guys see? What was the first image that popped in your mind when you thought of peaceful, a state of peaceful happiness? Anybody? That didn't make any sense to me. So, Steve? Pictures found on Fenway Park the day after a seventh game Yes. Okay. Anybody else? What, what image popped into your head when you thought of, yeah? My kids and grandkids at Sunday dinner. Kids and grandkids on Sunday dinner. Nice. Anybody else? Heart. What? Heart. Uh, heart. A heart? Oh, okay. Yep. Sitting with, uh, sitting with children. Sitting with children. Yep. K2. K2. All right, we're getting too spiritual, so uh, no, that's fine. No, but seriously, I, here was mine. As soon as I thought about that, all I could see was my feet with a drink with an umbrella in it and sand and an ocean. How many of you saw that? All right? All right. right, so how many of you saw, how many of you saw daylight savings time? Yeah, none of us saw that. None of us saw that. That was painful this morning. All right. Here, here's what's interesting. Whatever image came to your mind, and that's cool. If it was K2, children, whatever, whatever literally came to your mind, what will happen is that is what in our heart, we just go, man, this is the life, right? I mean, when you get to a place, if you actually live in a state of peaceful happiness, you just have to go, this is the life. Now, here's what's interesting. You know what peaceful happiness is? That's actually the first definition of contentment. If you're content, you are in a state of peaceful happiness. And then it goes on to say satisfaction. And so when you're satisfied, you don't actually wish for anything more. And you don't need to do that because you're absolutely deeply satisfied. And here's what we know. Every human being on this planet is looking for that right there, aren't we? Everybody is trying to figure out how do I get that. So look at this, Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. Paul learned the secret of actually being in a state of peaceful happiness, of absolute satisfaction, where he didn't wish for anything more. And now look at this. He goes, I learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Are you kidding me? I mean, here we are trying. Every once in a while, we finally got in a place where I felt some personal happiness and peace, right? And Paul's like, I have that like all the time, actually. In any situation I'm in, in every situation I'm in, I have absolute peace and happiness. Are you kidding me? He goes, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. 
You know, it's really interesting because I, I'm sure all of us at some point have actually got to a state of contentment, right? You, you've got to a state of contentment. But are you like me? You didn't stay there very long. <laughs> it's so weird. Like when we get content, all of a sudden it's not enough. So when Susie and I first moved here from Detroit, we had a TV, and I think it was literally a 12-inch TV. It was just this tiny little box like this. Back in 2003, I don't even know if we had flat screens yet. So it was this tiny little box. But what was really funny is we had this huge armoire, right? One of those big, huge entertainment things, and you'd open up these big doors, and there was this little box <laughs> sitting there. And so one year, we actually, uh, Kensington, our home church in Detroit, they brought out a team to do a mission trip. And the leaders of the trip actually, uh, for some reason, I can't remember why, but they needed to use our house. And so while they were at our house, apparently they saw our TV because we came home one, uh, the, the next day and I opened up our armoire and in there was a big TV. And there was a little note. That they wrote us a note and they said, no one can have a TV that small. <laughs> <laughs> so they purchased us a TV. But here's what was hilarious. Three years later, I came home one day, and I was sitting there, and I opened up our armoire, and all of a sudden inside is a flat skiing TV. And I'm like, where, where did this come from? And one of my friends says, you can't have a box TV. He goes, you have to have a, a, a flat screen TV. Can I just say, I am so excited that people are so discontent with what I have. <laughs> just invite all of you over to my house. You know, you can just see what we got, and then you can just keep improving our state of living. I mean, that would be awesome. <laughs> but, but here's what's funny is now, now I have this TV, right? We've, but we've had it for like six to eight years, and we know technology just keeps going and going, right? Come on, man. I sit in my house now, and all I can think is, that TV is way too small. Because, right, I mean, every house you go, I mean, we just, everybody's got like big TVs now. <laughs> and so I look at mine, and it just looks wrong. And I sit there and I go, yeah, I mean, it's fine, but I could watch it bigger, <laughs> right? I could, I could see it and it could be, it's, it's just insane, you guys. So here's what consumerism is. Consumerism is the preoccupation of society with the acquisition of consumer goods. That's the definition. It's a preoccupation. It, it's something, it consumes our mind. It preoccupies our mind. This idea that I have to have more, and I have to have better, and I have to have bigger. And it's the weirdest thing because you think you got what you really wanted, and it satisfies for a moment, but we know it won't satisfy for long. And then we just have to keep getting more. So there's a huge battle here between contentment, which by definition is a peaceful state of happiness, and consumerism, which is never actually content. So where are we going here today? So here's our mission at K2. Our mission is to invite and equip everyone to live out the adventure of following Jesus Christ. Now, why do we say that? Because Jesus told us this is eternal life. Not that you go to heaven. You get to go to heaven, that's cool. But eternal life is that heaven has actually already come in to earth. When Jesus Christ came and three weeks, when we celebrate his death and resurrection, Jesus took care. You guys, this is so fantastically mysterious, the Bible says. That you're sitting here right now listening to me, sitting in these chairs, but at the same time, there is a spiritual realm where God is. 
And through Jesus Christ, that realm, that spiritual realm that can actually unite itself with your spirit, Jesus did that. There's no chasm between heaven and earth now. And you can live in that. But the only way you live in that, he said, so this is eternal life. It's that you actually know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. Not know about him. You got to know him. And that's why Jesus says, so if you're going to know me, you actually have to follow me. You can't be from a distance and just learn things about me. That means when I say come, you actually walk with the Spirit. The Bible says since we live by the Spirit, the Spirit that comes and joins our spirit, he says then let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's following Christ. And that's why we started off our whole series in January and said, Jesus, come what? Come. Yeah, that was lame. Come. Come follow me. Why does he say that? Because every time you do, you'll actually experience God. And then you'll know him. But here's what's crazy. You know what Jesus says? He says, so, so, so if you're checking out Christianity, this is, this is what we're trying to offer you. Uh, you literally get to live your life with the Spirit of God inside you. But here's what Jesus said. He goes, unless you take up your cross and deny yourself, he says, you can't be my disciple. You have to actually take up a cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And then he said, oh, by the way, here's my new command. You love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So here's what, here's what he's saying. If you're going to follow me, that means you're going to love each other the way I've loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? He gave up his life for us. And so what he's saying is, if you're going to follow me, that's the way of life. It's the way of love. And the way of love is you give yourself up. You take up your cross. So here's the question, right? So all we want to do, all I want to do is I want to know Christ. Anybody else want to know Christ? Okay, do you really want this life of love, joy, peace, patience, all the goodness, the presence of God in your life? I do. But here's the dilemma. How in the world can I actually follow Christ if when what he says is you got to take up your cross and deny yourself... When everything within me wants to consume more to satisfy myself. See, there's a problem here. Wait a second. I need this. I need that. I need more. And the reason we're saying that is because I actually, can we be honest? I actually really believe if I have more stuff, that's what's going to satisfy my soul. And Jesus goes, but if you're going to follow me, you actually have to deny yourself and take up your cross and then come follow me. Here's the other thing. If Jesus says you have to love each other the way I've loved you, which is a sacrificial, dead-to-yourself love for other people, how will we ever do that if at the heart's core we are about consuming more things for ourselves? See, so we started off in January and said this is eternal life. It's following Christ. In February, if you weren't here, we took four weeks and we said, now if you do these four things, it can launch you, catapult you into actually following you. It'll help you follow Christ. And now today we're starting a three-week series called Overcome. Because here's the truth, you guys. There are some big obstacles that we have to overcome if we're going to actually follow Christ. And the first one we got to talk about today is we're going to talk about how do we overcome the obstacle of consumerism. Because if we're all about consuming more for ourselves, that's the absolute antithesis of the heart of Jesus, who's always thinking of how he can give himself up for God and for others. All right? So that's where we're going to go. So Lord, I just pray one last time. You said, Jesus, we live 
on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, we're going to go to your scripture. And I pray that you would be gracious to us in this room. May this chasm again disappear today in this place. And may your word go right into our hearts. And then I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak, that we would actually, each person individually in this room, would hear your voice speak to their own situation in their own life to encourage them today to throw off everything that hinders and run the race marked out for us. God, help us today. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's where we're going to go. 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, pull it up on your phone, whatever. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting with verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So godliness simply means living like God. So I love James Reith, our, our middle school guy this morning. He said it should be like Jesusliness, okay? So Because we can see how Jesus lived. If you live like Jesus and you're totally content, at peace, with a peaceful happiness inside of you, it is great gain. And I love what Paul's doing here, right? He's doing a play on words because we're trying to gain more. And God is saying, that's never going to be it. That's not going to be it. There is great gain, but it's in contentment with godliness. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothes, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And you guys, we, we know this is just true. I mean, why, why when, I, when I do premarital for couples who are getting married, why do I make sure that we have one session always on money? You know why? Because money is one of the top things that kills marriages. <laughs> when people want to get rich, all that means is I want to consume. I want more. And as soon as you start feeding that me monster that wants more, it's really hard to be someone who lays down their life for their spouse. <laughs> And so money is huge, and this the scriptures just know, and, and we all know this. This destroys, and that's what it says. It leads to ruin and destruction. And then we've got debt, and so many of you in this room, right, you've, you've, you're loaded down in debt because you needed what you couldn't afford. And so now that's, that's a state of peaceful happiness, isn't it? Being in debt? No. So now you have tons of stress and anxiety, and, and the truth is, too, the more stuff you have, the more you need to take care of, the more you are afraid of losing. It's just, it can be really crazy. So then it goes on. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, this is really important. It does not say money is a root of, money is neutral, okay? Money in the hands of, of, of generous people is a beautiful thing. It's the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. So again, Jesus is saying, come follow me. Come follow me. Be in my spirit. Get connected to me and I'm going to fill you up and I'm going to give you eternal life. You are going to be so filled with love and peace and joy, all that I want to give to you. But what happens is if we love money, then the way of Jesus is probably many times not going to look like what we want. So what happens? We wander from the faith. And the truth is, some of us in this room, you, you, you're, you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You are. Can I, but can you, can you be honest with yourself? Are you following him 
with every fiber of your being? Are you reckless? Will you do anything that God asks you to do? Or are you afraid that he might ask you to do something that's not in line with the American dream? And see, now we've wandered from the faith. We actually say no to God. And then we're Christians and we go, man, where's the peace? Where's the joy? Where's the fire? You see, do you see fire in Ryan? I did. I, I, did. I thought I saw Ryan. The dude is fired up, right? It's like, man, we are living the life. And some of you have lived that life and you know what it is to say yes to Jesus and you're living for eternal things. But now it's like, where's the joy? Where's the peace? And part of it is you could have wandered from the faith. That's what consumerism does to us. It makes us think about ourselves and protect ourselves and live for ourselves. And that is the antithesis of the kingdom of God who lays down everything for God. So then in 1 Timothy, he goes on in verse 11, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. And again, I think that's so interesting, right? So, so the, the, the place where, that's a very common scripture, fight the good fight of the faith. And where is this? The context of having to fight the good fight of the faith is all in this context of money. It's super hard to be content. And, do, and I forgot to say this. Did you guys notice in the first verse when Paul says, I'm content in any situation, in plenty or in want. And then he said this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, how many times, how many, how many of you have heard that verse, right? If you, if you, you know, athletes use that all the time. I can do anything who, through Christ who gives me strength. And we use that verse for so many different things. And yet that super popular verse is right here where Paul's saying, the only way that I can actually be content when I don't got squat, and I would say even more difficult, is to be content when you have a lot he goes, the only way I can do that is through Christ who gives me strength. It's a fight to be able to do this. So then he says, so take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Take hold of it, you guys. Take hold of the, what's eternal life again? It's following Jesus. Come on, you guys, let's not, let's not get duped into thinking if I get more stuff, I'm going to live. We know that isn't what satisfies us. And it hinders us from running the race that God has actually marked out for us. It shrivels our soul where we can take hold of the eternal life of knowing Christ and it brings life to our soul. So here we go. There's three things that Paul mentions of how in the world we can overcome consumerism. And here they are in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up, and I'm going to say this, in this way, guys, if you'll do these things, in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. All right? So here we go. Three quick things on how practical. Now here's, and this is just going to be super practical about how you and I can actually overcome this consumerism, all right, and live in the kingdom. The first thing he says is you got to be rich in good deeds. And here he is. He's playing on, the, he's playing on words again, right? 
So those who want to get rich fall into these traps. So he goes, well, don't do that. Be rich, have abundance, plentiful, maximize doing good deeds. So in Acts chapter 10, I love this. It says, you know what happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good. Isn't that awesome? See, here's, here's what I love. God filled Jesus Christ with the power, anointed him with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what did Jesus do? Good stuff. He just did good deeds. And so here we are, right? And we say, well, I follow Christ. So can you imagine back then, right? The 12, they're always going around with Jesus and they're following him. It's like, oh my gosh, everywhere we go, Jesus is just doing good stuff. He's just blessing people everywhere we go. So here's what's cool, right? So we don't actually do that. Jesus, again, his spirit is literally living in me. And if you've received him, he's living in you. So what should happen in our lives, right? When we just, when we're at work, when we're at home, when you're shopping, whatever we're doing, we should be going around because we're filled with the Holy Spirit doing good, good deeds. And he says, listen, man, if you get caught up in the richness of doing good things, that's what's going to help you overcome so, right, so we went to Houston, which was a fantastic thing, and did good deeds because people are still not living in their homes because of that hurricane. That's just sick and wrong. So we're sending another team, right? And we do foster care here. This is super exciting, you guys. Today in this service somewhere, the two people who lead our trips for us in Swaziland, Morgan and Bogani, are actually in our presence in this room, all right? Where are you guys? Are they right? Here, stand up real quick. Yeah, give them a big round of applause, you guys. Stand up. So for all of us who've been to Swaziland, that's them right there. And here's the coolest thing. Today is their one-year anniversary. Today, they just got married a year ago. But what happens? What happens to every person who goes to Swaziland? You know what happens? They do a week of good deeds. And you know what happens? Almost every person goes, I wish I could just live here. I wish I could just do good deeds all the time. And we try to tell them, you guys, you can do good deeds in Salt Lake. You can do it here too. But you know what happens? Almost every time we get back and we have our jobs and we have our kids stuff and we have all our things and the next thing you know, we get totally caught up in our life and we stop living the life of good deeds. It's crazy. Do you guys remember the Coke commercials? Right? Remember the Coke commercial? Like one person does a nice deed and that person's like, just memorize. So now they do a good deed. And then that person's, oh, and then they do a good deed. And you guys remember this commercial, right? So it just keeps going around and everybody's so encouraged to do good deeds. I, I pulled up that commercial yesterday and I never noticed this. When it's all done, at the end of the commercial, you know what happens? It says Coca-Cola because Coke is what inspires you to do good deeds. <laughs> no, but here's what it, it actually says this. It says Coca-Cola pursue, I'm sorry, Coca-Cola open happiness. Isn't that interesting? Open happiness. You know what Coke knows? Even Coke knows that if you do good deeds, it will be a state of happiness and peacefulness inside of you. 
Here's what God is saying, you guys. He says, command them to be rich in good deeds. You know what he's saying? All he's saying to you is, I'm commanding you to be happy. I'm commanding you to be at peace. I'm commanding you to be satisfied. Isn't what a great God we have? He's like, this is how it's done. So here's number two. So this week, do some good deeds. Number two, he says, command them to be generous and willing to share. So here's another word. When I think about being content and you're totally, it's, it's free. That's why I want to say, whenever you're content, you're just free. And that's why you're at peace. And isn't that what we're looking for, right? To be free from worry and anxiety, free from dissatisfaction of feeling less or missing out. Free from the desperate pursuit of something that will blindly bring me fulfillment and satisfaction. Now, I love here, here's what Jesus says. He says, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciple, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. free. Okay, so here's, but here's what he says. So I'm going to teach you some stuff, okay? And since I am the truth, if you'll hold to my teaching, which means if you actually do what I say, then you're my disciples. Learning about me doesn't make you my disciple at all, okay? It's actually when you do what I tell you. He said, but here's what's really cool. Every time I do what I tell you, you're going to know the truth. You're not going to know about it. You're not going to just be able to recite it back. He goes, you're going to know it. And what's the truth going to do? It's going to set you free. So here's the truth, okay? Acts 20, 35. Paul says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. Here's the words of Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, how many of you know that? Okay. Okay. See, if I would have said that, it is more blessed to, you guys could have just repeated. Here's, here's what we know. We know that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, can I ask you a question? Do you believe that? Now, here's what I can tell you. The only way that you know if you actually believe it is you do it. See, if you don't do it, you don't believe it. Now, you know it because you've heard it. And I shared with you a few weeks ago, there is such a big difference between knowing something and believing something. And so here's what I want to challenge you on. Some of you are not free. Some of you are not in a state of absolute peaceful happiness and this contentment because at this point, you still haven't bought what Jesus said. And here's, and you know, just take, a, just take inventory of your own heart. Do you actually give more than you receive? Just think about it. And, and, and so I know that that's true, but some of us actually never give anything. And here's what Jesus is saying to you this morning. If you want to follow me, this is the way you give. Oh and, oh, and by the way, if you do this, you're going to be free. You're actually going to be content. You will have a peaceful state of happiness inside your soul. So, oh, and by the way, do you know what's interesting about this? When it says it is more blessed to give than to receive, you know what the word blessed means? Anybody, anybody know what the word blessed means? Happy. 
<laughs> it means happy. We're back to happiness. Isn't this great? A peaceful state of happiness. God is saying you'll be way more happy if you give. So there's some levels of giving, okay? The first level is spontaneous. And, and everybody needs to start somewhere, okay? So start somewhere. But spontaneous giving is just when you hear a need, right? And there's something inside of you that goes, oh, that's cool. And you feel a prompting and so you give. And you, some of you spontaneously give here, right? You're like, oh, man, yeah, I've got some extra, and that'd be cool. And so, so you spontaneously give. That's the first level, and it's a good place to start. But the second level is faithful giving, okay? And what is faithful giving? Faithful means I'm going to regularly do this. I'm going to faithfully give. And this is where the, the scriptures gave us the tithe. Now, here's what I know. As soon as I said tithe, the hair on the back of your necks went, and I just want to say, how frustrating is this? That human beings, right? When Jesus was on the planet, the, the, the religious leaders were the ones who made this tithe, this thing that you have to do to gain God's favor. And still to this day, people think you have to tithe because if you don't, you won't even have God's blessing. And it's like, oh my gosh. And God's going, no, 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 no. <laughs> Guys, here's the deal. I know that the thing that's going to make you happy in the deepest part of your soul is when you give. And I love you so much that I want you to be free from yourself. That's what I actually came to do through Christ. And so here's the deal. So I'm going to set up this thing where I'm going to give you 10, and I'm just asking for one. That one, he says, is actually mine. So that's mine. So you return to me what's mine, and then, I'm, then you got nine. Go for it. <laughs> and, and for most of us in this room, we hear Jesus say it's more blessed to give than receive. And we don't believe it. Somehow we think, but if I spend this money on a better this or a more of that or whatever it is, if I spend all 100% of my income on me, that's what's going to bless me. And the only way you know that is because what, where does your resource actually go? What did Jesus say? He goes, where your treasure is, your heart is actually going to follow See, so God's not up there going, man, I want your money. He's going, I want your heart. I, I want to know that when I ask you to do something, you'll actually say yes to me. And God is up there, you guys, and I'm going to tell you something. He wants to do so freaking much with your life. And what he's doing is he's looking for hearts who are completely his. And one of the ways he knows, if I ask this person to do something, they'll actually do what I say, is because he's already asked you to give him what's his, and you do. See, see how this works? And then what Jesus said is true, and you get free from yourself because you give on a regular basis. Faithfully and regularly, you just give back to God what's his. And that is life. And, and, and anything else is the opposite of what Jesus is saying. And then we get to this passage. So there's the first one, spontaneous giving, then faithful giving. And then he gets to number three, right, which is in this passage, which is generous giving. <laughs> See, because just tithing is not generous. That's giving what is yours. Here's the definition of generous. Generous is showing a readiness to give more of your money or time than is necessary or expected. 
See, that's the definition of generous. So generous is tithing, or faithfulness is tithing, just giving back to God what's his. Generous is saying, hey, and we love what's going on in Swaziland, and we love what's going on in Houston, and we love church planters, and so then we give above and beyond. And God is saying, oh my gosh, if you actually start living like that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to live like me! Because <laughs> God just gives and gives and gives. And do you believe this? Do we believe that if we're more generous, we're more alive? That there's more life, that there's more joy, that there's more oneness with Christ. Can we just be honest on this day and say, no, apparently I don't. Because if I believed it, that's how I would live. And I want to tell you what, this is one of the hardest things you have to overcome. If you're going to be a person like Ryan who will leave anything and do everything that God wants you to do, then you have to have your heart to the point where it's already surrendered to him. And you say, God, I'll do anything you want. Like, like the tithe is just like, absolutely, man, that's yours. Why would I even keep that? That's yours. And I just give it. And then God says, well, then move. Okay, I'm gone. And then you know what happens? You find your life. And you see God do more with you than you ever dreamed or asked or imagined. All right? I won't even get into it. The last level is sacrificial. <laughs> even beyond generosity is a sacrificial giving. It's crazy. And it's beautiful, and God does amazing things. All right. So here's again, what's God saying? Command them. Command them to be generous and willing to share. What's he saying? Commanding you to be happy. I'm commanding you to be in a state of peaceful happiness and to be satisfied. And this is how it happens. Trust me. And just start giving. So here's the last thing, and i got to go quickly on this one. Because here's another truth. You can only give what you have, right? I say this all the time. You want $100? Sure. Sure. Uh, I can't give it to you. And you know why? Because I got uh, 13 in here, right? So if I only have $13, then that's all I can give you. You can only give what you possess. So if you're going to actually be generous in giving, then guess what you actually have to do? You have to consume, you actually do need to consume, 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 so that you have something to give. But what do you consume? And the first thing he said is, command them to put their hope in God. Put your hope in God. See, guys, the way we live is we consume the very Spirit of God inside of us. And that Spirit of God just starts to crank. Look at this. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have because, why? Why would I do that? Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Apparently, the presence of God in your life is so overwhelming and so good and so loving and so right that it makes you not need anything else. So you consume him inside your heart and it sets you free from everything else. Jesus says this in John 4, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, right? I mean, I've been drinking all freaking morning, and I'm still thirsty. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What was he saying? What's the water that he gives us? See, like, I know I need this to live, right? You guys need water? To live. Mm. But here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to live, not physically. I want your soul to be alive. So he defines what this water is in another passage in John 7. He said, the streams of living water are actually my spirit. 
So when you receive Christ, his spirit comes inside and meshes with your spirit. And for the first time ever in your life, you know you are loved no matter what. God's love just floods inside your soul. And then that wells up to what? A fountain of eternal life. What's eternal life? I know Jesus. I actually walk with him. See, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the only thing that will empower you. Remember what, what Paul said? I can actually do all of this. How? Through Christ who gives me strength. The only way Paul could be content was Christ, the Spirit of Jesus Christ was inside him, and it made him content. And then he was peaceful in any situation because he wasn't about himself anymore. And so this is what Jesus is saying. You guys, hundreds of us in here. Can you imagine hundreds of us filled with the Spirit of Christ? Generous and willing to share. Rich and abundant in good deeds. Totally kicking the American dream in the pants. <laughs> and saying, I'm not going to get sucked in. And I'm going to lay up treasure for me as a firm foundation for the coming age. And I'm going to take hold of the life that's truly life. So this is it, man. We got to overcome this. And you can overcome it. So how do you feed on Christ? You live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay? So here's what happened today. You heard the scripture, which was his word. If you will do what he says, I command you to be rich in good deeds, and I command you to be generous and willing to share. I command you to do, and I command you to put your hope in me and nothing else. If you will walk out of here and go, I'm going to do that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to live. And here's the other thing that happened in here. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. He's been convicting you. He's been showing you areas that aren't in line with him. That's what he, so you've, You've also got, you live on every word that comes from the mouth of God, and the Spirit has actually been giving you thoughts of ways that you're supposed to do this. And if you will listen to those thoughts, to those thoughts of God, you will live. And you know what's cool? Blessed. But you're not the only one who will be blessed. So will everybody else. So will everybody else. So we're going to take communion, and, here, and here's why. Because what Jesus said is he goes, okay, you got to remember this, because that's what he said, right? When he, when he had, at the Last Supper, he had the bread and he had the wine, and he said, okay, you got to do this in remembrance of me. So here's what he wants to remind you of today, okay? So if you're a Christian, so communion, again, is for Christians, people who've already made the decision to follow Christ. If you're a Christian, then Jesus is asking you to come forward. we got two tables here, one here and two in the back. And he's going to ask you to come forward, and he's going to say, now remember, this is my body. This is my life that I broke for you. Come on, man. Who loves you more than me? He says, no, nothing loves you more. Your job doesn't love you more than me. Your house doesn't love you more than me. I'm your creator, and I'm the only one who can give you life. And I laid it down for you. I love you so much. So you hold that bread, and you just go, I remember, who, what else would I want to give my life to besides Jesus? And then when you actually take it inside, what's cool is then you realize, and that life of love is now in me so that I can live the same way. 
And then you're going to take the cup and you're going to hold it and you're going to remember Jesus. And remember this, I totally forgive you, man. I totally forgive you. I totally forgive you. Every time you said no to me, every time you haven't given me what's mine, every time you've lived for yourself instead of for me and for others, every time you've pursued and consumed stuff instead of been free in my spirit, I totally forgive you and I what? Cleanse you. So today, I want you to grab this, and I want you to sit, grab it, and sit back in your seat. And some of you today just need to have an honest conversation with Jesus, and you go, okay, Jesus, I really actually want to follow you. Will you forgive me for, and you be honest with him, about whether you actually live in the way that's of the kingdom of God or not. And then receive his forgiveness and let him cleanse you so you'll be able to go hog wild in the kingdom of God of generosity and contentment. All right? So whenever you're ready, go ahead and just take, some, take the elements, go back to your seat, have a moment with Jesus, and then I'm, I'm going to come back up and we're going to take it all together.